0: Welcome to the Red Dove Podcast. We are female storytellers, and our stories center on Black women, mental health, and activism. I'm Rainy.
1: And I'm Liz.
2: And And I'm Blue. Blue. How are you, ladies? I'm
1: feeling good. Today is the last day of winter, and we just celebrated um, St. Patrick's Day, and we had like a little bit of Purim celebration, so it's like the beginning of spring, and I'm really feeling that today in this weather. It's finally... 60s, 50s. I know, Rainy, that's nothing for you, but I am feeling better with the change of the seasons. How are you doing? What's a porum? It is uh, a Jewish holiday. I'm not Jewish, but uh, it's a Jewish holiday, and this year it fell on St. Patty's Day. Oh, So I have, you know, I have my Guinness, uh, Irish soda bread, Irish butter, cabbage, we don't eat meat. So we didn't do like the corned beef portion. Um, but then as a cookie, I bought these, starts with an H and I'm not even gonna try to say it cause I don't remember and I don't want to uh, butcher it, but it's a specific type of cookie that the Jewish Jewish people eat during Purim. And there is um, a woman I follow on Instagram. She's a black woman. She's a Jewish black woman. And she put on all of these like, pictures from her Purim celebration. Mm. And one of them was cookies. It was butterflies. And it said, um, you know, we're getting out of the cocoon and some stuff like about spring and growth and the weather change. Mm -hmm. And then also all the pictures, it looked like it was Halloween. Mm. They were all dressed up in costumes that you could buy from a Halloween store. Mm. So I don't, I wasn't I'm not Jewish. I wasn't prepared to speak on it but that is what I observed. So
2: yeah. Interesting. I was going to say congratulations to everyone in the Northeast, uh, making it throughout the winter because Mm. this was a rough one. I feel like I died and came back literally (laughs) and like went through an agonizing death. And now I'm finally being birthed into that butterfly. I'm so happy about the
0: sun. Rainey, how are you? I'm good. I, uh, yeah. You know, we, we had to deal with, um, it was windy the other day, so I had to pick up a chair. So, uh, huh? like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm making a terrible joke right now, actually. So <laughs> it's that meme, uh, where I, when I used to live in the nor- Northeast, um, and we'd have the terrible snowstorms, you'd see pictures of California and it'd be sunny. And they'd be like, you know, we'll rebuild. Cause you know, a chair would be flipped over and be like, we really are dealing with some awful weather over here. It's not, we, it was, it was 83 degrees yesterday. Wow.
1: You Californians and your weather, you really love to
0: make your little memes, make your little jokes about how
1: fucking perfect it is over there. And I'm getting really sick. No, I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> but if it makes you feeling better, it is so up and down. It's really hard to know how to dress because it'll start off like in the 40s or 50s in the morning and then it'll shoot up to the 80s and then it'll drop down to the 50s or 60s at night
1: oh I'm so sorry for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) uh, (laughs) right Uh, if it was like a split screen and like split us there's like six feet of snow and it's like frostbite (laughs) on your nose you're like oh 40s to 80s so
0: rough right right my poor babies just don't know how to dress like I'll put them in like long sleeves and by the time I pick them up they're like sweating and they're like what what is happening right (laughs) but um and I am on spring break officially as of Mm -hmm. yesterday so I have a week off and I'm it it could not have come sooner that's awesome
2: that is probably so needed
0: yes I yes
2: She she looks at us with the serious, silent (laughs) nod and meant every bit of it before anything comes out with the help me look (laughs) in her eyes.
0: Teaching this year is no joke. Teaching middle schoolers this year. I had to take my students on a field trip and I realized that these kids have not been on field trips. In two years
1: and it shows
0: i took them to a museum and i had eighth grade boys who immediately tried to jump on the mastodon display I, I just i they ran like they they ran through the me and i'm like what is it was like herding feral cats i was like what are <laughs> you doing they have like these interactive like little places in the museum and like one kid like picks up like a lemon and like starts like playing football with it in the middle of the museum and I'm like, oh, wow, what happened? And <laughs> I realized I haven't given them a lesson on how to behave in a museum. The last, right. time a museum, that last time they've been on field trips, they were like in the fifth grade. Right, apple picking. And well, I don't know if you guys are
2: doing stuff like that on the West Coast, but I'm trying to think ours would have been apple picking, pumpkin picking. They may have gone to... Like a park or somewhere together for like field day. Oh, field days, big. Do you have?
0: Field yeah, day? yeah, we have field days.
2: Yeah, like those activities for the most part, where they can still be their authentic selves.
0: So, no, like, yeah, that's Wide not, open
1: spaces exactly. I see, yes, yeah, yes.
0: No, yeah. No, mine, mine, mine are seventh and eighth and ninth graders. And they lost their minds.
1: Right, lost.
0: They they walked into the museum like this is great. And I'm like, oh my god, this is not great. Right. On earth, And I'm like watching like these, these women with like their little, like first graders or preschoolers and they're just holding their parents' hands and like nicely looking at the art exhibits. And I'm looking <laughs> at, you know, this six foot tall ninth grader who is trying to poke a picture and trying to climb on stuff. And I'm like, what, what is happening right now? Like, right. You know, there's so much There's so much this pandemic has like taken from these kids that we really just have to start over
2: again. Right. That
0: is funny.
2: Well, I figured tonight we'd talk about things that you guys, you ladies can't do.
1: What? Yeah, we're We're going to talk
2: about things women can't do. What are some things you can't
1: do? You know, this is a very pro limiting women podcast. <laughs> are you very talk, clear about that. Talk about
0: feeling very triggered right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can't oh, I do? Blue, tell right.
1: me, you tell
2: me. <laughs> right, right. So I was looking up just, you know, in celebration of women's history month, what it was like over a hundred years ago, around that time for black and white women women in um different countries on different parts of the globe okay and i found some really cool things that women could not do um cool as in they're hilarious
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is our kind of humor we just it twisted because this is how we get through life otherwise right. we would cry right <laughs>
2: And I found some women that are demonstrating how well we can do them, which was really, really cool. So I was thinking we could have a convo about that. So the first one, and I can't even imagine this at all. It was probably a, a rough time. Women could not vote 100 years ago. We remember that the 19th Amendment to the Constitution granted American women, in quotations, the right to vote a right known as women's suffrage and was ratified on August 18th, 1920, ending almost a century of protest. So this and many of the other things that I came across jumped out at me because while they were things that women couldn't do hundred years ago, we as black women still had a much longer road to get towards. So like this specifically came from an article from things women couldn't do 100 years ago. But we have to keep in mind, it's more important to celebrate the 1965 Voting Rights Act that made the amendment a reality for millions of Black women. One woman that I want to point out that was instrumental in making this happen is Nanny Helen Burroughs. Are you familiar with her? No. So Nanny Helen Burroughs was a Black educator, order religious leader, civil rights activist, feminist and businesswoman in the U.S. And she is famous for her speech titled How the Sisters are Hindered from Helping. She gave this speech at the 1900 National Baptist Convention in Virginia. And that is really where she got her, won her fame and recognition. She, her thought process was that women should have the opportunity to receive an education and job training And she wrote about a lot of the needs of Black women and also made it really apparent how Black women and white women needed to work together in order for us to arrive at a non-discriminatory society. Can you, like, what do you think about the idea of not being able to vote? What do you think things would be like today if women could not
0: vote? I think our interests would obviously not be served. I think that a lot of things would be really difficult because I think you need different voices in the room to help other people become empathetic. All the progress that we've made on rights as women's, you know, being able to work in the workplace the way we do now, even though it's still not equal, being able to do that, being pregnant, not being an automatic, oh, you can't work anymore or you're having children, making it to where you have to account for people having children. I I think that had we not had the right to vote, those things would still be by the wayside. You know, the work that we have looked at as traditionally feminine work would be underappreciated and underpaid even more so than it is now. Mm,
2: I agree. I thought that this was definitely one of the headliners for things that women couldn't do 100 years ago because it encompasses essentially everything by having the ability to vote is what even allows us to really be able to vote on the next things, you know, that we have interest in or have rights to do that are not recognized.
1: There's like, so a lot of things, like little things that we take advantage of or we take for granted that we definitely, if we we didn't have the right to vote, then guess what? We wouldn't probably have the right to ride on a train. That was a thing. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't Mm -hmm. have the right to... Have a job if we were pregnant that wasn't until the mid 70s which is not that long ago because if you think about it the right to vote for all women was 1965 all this other stuff came like 15 years later like the if you were pregnant you'd either get fired or you wouldn't get hired Mm. they had to literally make a law so they would stop doing that like that i think that there would be a lot of these incidental rights that we now as women all enjoy that we wouldn't need like things you wouldn't even think about
2: if mm-hmm. we didn't get the,
1: I think that's what it would be like if we didn't get the right to vote
2: I remember one time when I was working in the mortgage industry one of my male managers this was like my first weekend I'm coming in I'm already not extremely excited <laughs> right to be there Who is? right and he's like you have any kids And I'm like, no, you know, I'm thinking it's small talk. And he's like, good, just wait until I'm like, hold up. Why are we addressing, discussing like (laughs) when I should have children? And it wasn't really until later how I began to see that that is a thing because people look at your ability based upon whether you plan to be pregnant, whether you in the, and then in the workplace Mm -hmm. and then you having children and what that looks like as or a, a woman having children and what that looks like in the workplace. So I was like, wow, that was really, really interesting.
0: So even
1: though it's outlawed, it's still going on today on the side. Yep. Cause they, I've heard that from other women too, like in the workplace today or 10, 15 years ago would get similar co- uh, questions asked to them. And, yeah. they, and they all, some of them speculated that was why they didn't get a promotion. Mm. Was because that they had a child, mm-hmm. or simply expressed the desire to have a child in mm. the near future.
0: Wow, that's well, the, I think there's also kind of that that stereotype that you know you're only valuable for so long, right? Like mm-hmm. you have a limited amount of time, and you depreciate like like a car, right. you know, as a so woman.
1: We live in a system that is based on maximizing dollar profit and not human life, which I know crazy. I know we don't, but that's (laughs) certainly what it sounds like.
0: I would, I would agree a (laughs) hundred percent, right? Like it's just how valuable can women and they, and I think society would have felt that, you know, our contributions are not as valuable and they would have paid us as such, you know, and they would have been like, yeah, you are only, you're only worthwhile while you are young and you can work. And the minute you have children that that makes things difficult for us to work around. So you are no longer valuable, you know? And and then they look at men as, well, it doesn't, you don't physically go through any changes when having a child and you have a wife at home to take care of your child. So you, your, your cost is going to appreciate, right? Like we can Mm -hmm. still use your work, your body, a woman, you've got other obligations. You can't dedicate your whole life to us fully. So you aren't as, worthwhile as a man. And I think that that definitely would have been a prevalent theme had we not had the right to vote.
2: Another thing that women women couldn't do, and this is crazy to me, I can't even imagine this. Married women could not hold a passport in their own name. So they would have to (sighs) have a joint passport issued under their husband's name, where in the place of their name, it the uh, passport granted them travel privileges based upon them being the wife of and then their husband's name would follow so first of all that's just rude like <laughs> that's just rude imagine if every time like I'm relating it to this every time I walked outside some addressed me by my employer like that is not you know employee of <laughs> um, that's like a number definitely if they weren't going for property I, I mean i don't know what else they were going for
1: but that could be any woman then right because you don't even have a name at that point so right just, that's me i'm the wife of mr smith right yeah so it's all y'all married women <laughs>
0: <laughs> well see it, it's kind of like that show the handmaid's tale if you got, i had to stop watching it because i was like oh gosh this feels too real but all of the characters <laughs> names are like like the main character's name is a fred offred right like of fred like property of fred so -hmm. they changed all of these women who had regular ass names before to of mike of jeff right like that would be your new name was (laughs) you belong to this man
2: wow wow yeah i stopped watching it too and i wasn't even that focused but every time i was catching it it was just so triggering for me i was (laughs) like there's there's something wrong with me i know that's coming out and I was like okay I think it's a show so I never even dove into it far enough to realize that and that just blew my mind now it makes me kind of want to watch it again but I'm nervous that I'll have those same feelings <laughs> you I definitely
0: mean, will you definitely uh, yeah will. no no I mean definitely watch it if you want to feel hopeless <laughs> <laughs> go for it like oh. I- I had to stop. I was like and I stopped while I was while Trump was in office and I was like, oh this feels too real. I can't. Right, right. This doesn't feel like fiction. This feels right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was the thing because it started certain parts of it. I'm like, shoot.
2: I feel like this might happen. Like this, <laughs> this is really coming upon us. Exactly. I was like, concerned. I was like, is
0: this a prophecy?
2: Right. My- So I couldn't find a woman, the first woman to hold her passport, because I thought that was cool too, even though like no shade, I would have still been traveling. I don't know about y'all, but (laughs) I would have still been traveling. Like they said, unmarried women could apply using their maiden name, which I thought was interesting because why, well, no, I guess that's really the property aspect. But then again, yes. I thought you would still be considered your father's property, but I guess that was around the war too. And they were just like, we don't have time for all that. <laughs> like, look, they, they're responsible for this one. He's responsible for his wife and so on. I mean, but getting, best-
0: getting, huh? getting married back then seems like you'd have way less rights. Like it'd be better to just stay unmarried your whole life. Like you could at least hold on to some of your stuff. Like then you're like, oh, I get married and then I become a second class citizen and I have to give you all my shit. Right, <laughs> <Ugh>.
1: right. <laughs> right, a real quick side tour into marriage and also talking about things we couldn't do until like the 70s or what have you, or or later couldn't hold property once you got married, couldn't get a credit card. You had Your man had to come in and hold your hand and walk into the <laughs> bank with you and be like, yeah, this one's mine.
0: You know, pretty right. much
1: to get oh. the cards. You couldn't do that. Trigger warning. You couldn't press rape charges against your husband mm. until the mid 70s. Like yeah. I don't want to say even I, I don't have um, a computer in front of me. So I apologize if I have the date wrong. But it's, it's like 30, 40 years ago. Yep. So, yeah, I guess you're already in a shit position on the, the caste system we call America. And then you get married and it's like, give me all your stuff. Yeah. You know, like
0: yep. I I will take everything. I will take all of your money. Your body belongs to me. Your name belongs right. to me. Your autonomy belongs to me. But right. you can have my children and also get paid less. Right. You're kind of like a pet that I can
1: fuck. Right. Yeah. Ooh.
0: I mean, and then, <laughs> but you know what?
2: That makes sense because that's why so many of the free-thinking women that we discuss on the podcast were not married. It makes complete sense because like you're saying, you literally took, yeah, like your mind, essentially, if you control all of those parts, then you control my mind too, because I'm constantly battling whether I should make excuses for that type of nonsense to, you know, exist, especially if it's someone that is really ugly and just takes it to the extreme. I mean, right. And you you would have
0: very little recourse, even with the law. I mean, yeah. in the way they had it, it's almost like you aren't a person anyway. So like, you know, you're like, well, you, you don't really vote because it's just going to be plus two for whatever your husband is. You're going to right. Just- that was their belief. Yeah, right. like you know, you you can't think. I mean, but you know, they they created a society where you don't have the opportunity to do anything for yourself, anyways. I mean, right? God, I thought you know my marriage and being married was shit, but good lord. <laughs> like, I, see, right? <laughs> right? Like, At least I could get a credit card and get the hell out of Dodge. Right? Like,
2: <laughs> so Bessie Coleman, she did literally like what you were saying. She was like you know what, F that, I'm not going to, actually, let me not put those words in Bessie Coleman's mouth. (laughs) Bessie (laughs) might've just been like, I don't like the way, or I prefer to fly planes. So that's what she chose to do. She was the first African-American and Native American woman to receive her pilot's license. And this was in June of 1921. It was issued, issued by the FAI, I thought that was really dope because I love traveling, period. Mm -hmm. And recently I took a flight and on the way back, it was not too far into Women's History Month. The pilot came over the loudspeaker and she sounded amazing. And I thought that was so cool. Like it was still exciting. Like I remember the first time my brother and again, you can see it's a big deal because he literally sent me a picture of himself in the dentist. The first time he had a black dentist, <laughs> he was so excited. You know, he sent me a pic. We were all like, oh, that's so dope. And I felt the same way, even, you know, having a female pilot. So I thought Bessie was super cool. And I wanted to say her name. Someone else's name that I think is, that I want to, that I know I want to say is Jessica Nabongo. And she is the first black woman to visit every country in the world.
1: Ooh, that's like wow. your like slogals.
2: Yes. Yes, so I funny. would love to know how you can be that fearless in every single space. But you know what? Some people say it's not about like being scared. Like, yeah, you're going to be scared, but you just power through it. And I would imagine that she channeled a lot of that, like going to so many different countries with so many different cultures. And the, one of the big things, like when I travel, I do do a lot of research on places that are safe for Black women to go so powering through that
1: did her husband let her?
2: so I can't <laughs> say if she's married I don't
1: <laughs> so no, I'm just like I don't a, know no just make it a joke yeah because that's because now we know how what a challenge it was for her to get the passport oh no this is recent oh I'm sorry this
2: is recent no (laughs) but that's so funny because you we would think it would have been from a long time ago and this actually she hit this accomplishment in 2019 so that gives credit too just to like what we were talking about earlier with how um, some things that were happening for women in quotation marks were only happening for white women and Rainey still has her mouth open. Yep, that was in 2019. And they happened at later dates for Black women. But uh, one thing, as I was looking into that further, that jumped out was that there were a good amount of Black women that were traveling, even back in the times, like the early 1900s, because they were traveling a bit away from racism. So they were traveling outside of the U.S., which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But- Yeah. Wow. So shout out to her. That's awesome. I can't wait to uh, clank a glass of champagne with her when I hit my accomplishment. (laughs) I got to get all the fear mongering off of me.
0: (laughs) That's amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool too. And then, because this is just hilarious to me now, especially 2022, and I'm glad that it is So we know, because this has always been discussed and people still talk about this, women couldn't wear whatever they wanted a hundred years ago. Like, (laughs) it's just funny to me because of all the stuff that we have powered through to now be able to do.
1: Like our accomplishment, like, look, ladies, we can wear pants. Right. And the fact that that's a discussion. That's where we're at. Yeah. And the discussion today is they have pockets. Right. Because for some reason, people don't like to give women pockets
0: oh no there's a reason for it i I looked it up there's a reason for it share the reason is because it makes the woman's front part look too bulky oh my god It, it it doesn't streamline sexy and attractiveness so they don't give us pockets so we look sexier to the white male gaze yeah because you know having you know your keys in your pocket or you know a wallet that could look ugly I'm not wearing pockets right now. I had to. Yeah, I had to put, I have to put shit in my bra because I I know and I I know I will buy something and I'm like, I don't even like it that much. But the minute I'm like, oh, it has and not those fake pockets. Right. Actually, don't even do. Don't even give me that because it's such a letdown. Right. So, yeah, no, that was basically on how attractive can it make us? Pockets are not attractive. So they. (laughs) don't give us pockets because we might hold shit right just perhaps
2: perhaps. we might have something to hold so similar to that thought process before the 1920s fashion in in western europe was still somewhat rigid and impractical we all have seen it the craziness the heavy undergarments the multiple layers of fabric on the dresses barely i know for a fact i wouldn't have made it because I trip on a regular day. I remember, now that's one of my things that I have become fearless at. I don't even care anymore. I don't get embarrassed. Like, it doesn't matter to me at all. I don't need anybody to help me up. So if I had all that fabric, trying to do all the stuff that I do, I'm the first one at the cookout, ready to play football with the kids. Yeah, I would have been in a bad situation. So yeah, styles were really restrictive and people were dressing in a more formal manner. And there wasn't a lot of room to express yourself, but my girl came and changed all of that. Josephine Baker, Woo-hoo! Josephine Baker, the amazing, the beautiful in the summer of 1926 in Paris. That is when she hit the stage wearing the famous mini skirt made of the rubber bananas. I know we've all seen a picture of that.
1: She looked amazing. Yeah. It's iconic, powerful photo.
2: So she was wearing that miniskirt 40 years before Mary Quant, who is known to have coined, really the term, in the early 1960s, but definitely wanted to recognize Josephine Baker because she's definitely a fashion icon. Let people know that she was going to wear what she wanted to wear and be herself. And I think that for me... Even though I really like to dress casually. That's my favorite. Like now I'm into this because Rihanna's killing it, which is one of the women that we're definitely going to recognize that wears whenever she wants. Mm-hmm. Rihanna and Fenty, Savage Fenty. They just helped me be like cozy, sexy. Yeah. Like, I love it.
0: I love it. We wear a lot of Fenty. Yeah. I really, I think Lizzo really did that too.
1: Yeah. I love
0: that Lizzo's like, I really could care less Mm -hmm. what you think I should wear on my body because I feel sexy. And I really like that. She does not fit that, you know, your Eurocentric ideal of beauty, but Mm -hmm. she is killing it. And she's like, I'll wear a bikini and what I I have people thirsty for this too. Yes, And you know, I like, so I really love that she's done that to both Rihanna and Lizzo, I think are two wonderful black women who have really opened the door of fashion and really like that autonomy of, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. Do you feel good? That's all that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And Josephine Baker was also, she's also iconic. She would wear like, I think I would call it like kind of like a mermaid style dress. So it's very, very, very form fitting all the way to the end. It kind of poofs out. And the other thing I like about Ms. Baker, she wore design or fashion made by a Black fashion woman designer. So even like, yes, this is not a new thing, the Black black owned by Black movement, you know? And I, list, I like how as Josephine's notoriety and visibility rose, that she continued to support other women trying to, to rise up in the system. Some
2: others to mention that would be in that category, And I think they're using their voices more to discuss it. Are well, Erica Baidu has always used her voice to give us lessons.
1: Oh my God. If you are not following Erica Baidu on Instagram, you are missing out. That's a great example the fashion and everything.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Nicki Minaj, she's Mm. using her voice to discuss a lot of interesting things this month. I think with Women's History Month being you know, in the background as well. More recently, she was talking to Joe Biden about her experience with trying to get into the sneaker industry, how a Black man entered the industry and coined his own shoe and was progressing and her wanting to partner with that person, but not being given, the, the hand wasn't extended, essentially. So once again, we see where there's like, but that separation, you know, whether it's Black men or white women, black women still end up at the end when it comes to receiving a lot of these things that we're talking about uh lauren hill solange definitely and she always looks amazing but she's always wearing something that you're like shoot i never even thought to put my fro with the big old boots in the like she just looks great and she literally wears whatever she wants
1: so Lodge and I Baidu, it's almost as if they're, they're a living art installation mm-hmm. with some of the
0: fashion choices. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know who else? Venus and Serena Williams. Definitely.
1: And Serena has her own, I know she has her own jewelry line, which is gorgeous. I don't know if she wears a line or if it's hers. I have to, I kind of forget, but the, well, and Venus has her own line of clothes doesn't she I'm, I'm, yeah i think they yeah, both they, do actually yeah, they do. Okay. yeah
2: i think they both or if not if they don't both have one then one does sneakers one has a sneaker line with i don't
1: know
2: i think i could be wrong but i, I believe serena so. has a
1: jewelry line and the pieces are beautiful and some of them are affordable
2: yeah so they're both i mean they're both doing things in the fashion industry
1: venus has a whole new line of tennis outfits nice and follow her on instagram gorgeous
0: really cool. Nice. And remember how they tried to tear them down like 15 years ago, like they couldn't get them on how they played. So they're like, well, the way you look while you're pay- playing is yep. really bothersome. They're just like, yep. They're big or they're, um, they
2: started talking about how short their skirts were. I remember that was mm-hmm. a big thing at one point they kept trying to put stuff like that about them in the media. And it's like, first of all, y'all said we had to wear skirts to play we probably wouldn't even have been out here playing in these skirts which is another reason why while these things seem like they're just silly little things they're important to us because it's our bodies which is funny coming out that you have to tell people that but anyway, <laughs> shaka khan she's always wearing whatever she wants and looking great and i mean to me too i think this was important for me to note because the idea of women not being able to wear what they wanted 100 years ago, because I think that's the mind game that so many of us are constantly playing of like what they think or what they're going to say or what they're going to do about what I'm doing, you know? And when you see people that really walk in their spirit, enjoying themselves, loving themselves, and loving other people, that's a great space to be in. Essence has a really cool article about good 20 women that wear what they want it's from um October 2020 20 but it's still really interesting and just like Liz was saying you can check out so another one women could not use their law degrees to the fullest in 1939 at the age of 31 Jane Boland became the first black woman to serve as a judge in the U.S. Boland did not even know that she was going to be sworn in as a judge when she was called to appear before Mayor Fiorello H. LaGuardia at the New York's fair on July 22nd, 1939. So definitely want to recognize Jane Boland. Isn't that crazy? Once again, like this is another one later in time for Black women and white women. And we see we still haven't hit the 100 year, the centennial. And some other women to highlight, in addition to Ms. Bolin, that are doing that have done awesome things are Constance Baker Motley. She was the first Black woman nominated to the federal bench in 1966 and is one of our unsung heroes of the American civil rights movement. She was the first Black woman to argue before the US Supreme Court. And Motley won nine of her 10 cases and assisted in nearly 60 cases that reached the court. We definitely should recognize Sonia Sotomayor. She became the U.S. District's court judge in 1992 and was elevated to the U.S. Second Circuit Court of Appeals in 1998, not too long ago. And in 2009, not too long ago, she was confirmed as the first Latina Supreme Court in the U.S. history. Awesome. And yeah. And then um, another woman that is not from the U.S., but I, she's doing amazing things is Misa Ashanafi. She is a highly accomplished attorney and judge advocating for protecting and empowering women. Uh, She was the first woman to be appointed by the Federal Parliamentary Assembly as president of the Federal Supreme Court of Ethiopia in 2018. Wow. So I thought it was really cool to recognize her because oftentimes in the U.S., even though all of our struggles are real, we still have to work together, just as Ms. Burroughs was saying, uh, Nanny Helen Burroughs spoke about white women and Black women working together, because those of us in other countries are still working to make some of the progress that we're trying, you know, we're working towards or have already made. And together we're stronger. So another one is women couldn't get a business loan, which you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was deep because even in, as an entrepreneur not being able to obtain a business loan was a normal thing until the passage of the Women's Business Ownership Act in 1988. Oh, 1988? 1988. And that was when women were given equal access to capital in order to start their own business. Uh, They no longer required a man's help. Because we needed their name on there just for no reason, <laughs> but <laughs> wow, yep. So that act eliminated all individual state laws that required women to have a male relative, husband co-signer, sign a business loan. It established the Women's Business Center program. Established the Office of Business Women's Business Ownership at the Small Business Administration. Established the national the national business. Council as an independent, nonpartisan federal advisory council to the White House, Congress, and the Small Business Administration. Increase the Small Business Administration's access to capital. It required the U.S. Census Bureau and the SBA Small Business Administration to recognize women-owned firms and create financial assistance specifically
0: for those firms. Wow. So you're telling me, you're telling me it's been, thir- I was born in 1988. So it's been right. 34 years we've been able to yeah. run businesses when I, uh. Right. It's crazy though, because it also
2: gives me reference. Like when I've had arguments with my mom or my grandmother, the thought process is different because just like we're saying that literally, is not, and that's not even a lifetime, that's a third, right? So oftentimes when we're miscommunicating and I pay attention to these things, it's like, okay, not that anyone's right or wrong, but the thought process, what was fed? Well, my grandmother's shared it many times, but she talked about how enraged she was when my grandfather came home to celebrate that he had put the money that... in her account in a different account and it you know was increasing in um the interest so he was super excited because it was a great business move and my grandmother was livid you know and she's like she still tells the story so proud I went down there to that bank and I told them don't you ever and in my head when I was in my teens I'm like what is she talking about and then when I began to understand these things such as having a bank account be, having access to your money to do the things that you would like, being able to get loans, being able to get credit cards—those are not things like you were born in that year and it was a thing, right? But we assume that they just were always present. And I really have to think about that because I can't imagine. I, I mean, you couldn't marry the one you love, you couldn't do what you love. You, we were just suffering. <laughs> and it makes me think about this the nosy body that was like even in your mail I'll be there I'm gonna... <laughs> what was his name I just I think mean, he's so funny for opening people's mail to find out to harass um, um idocratic yes
1: name uh Comstock yes
2: to get his first name. yes. I always said that's hilarious that you know, it's, it wasn't funny to them at all. Because I know she was like, damn, you got me wearing all these clothes. I can't, I can't work. I can't think on my own. You're mad
1: I'm not married. I can't love who I want to love. Well, that mm-hmm. was one thing, too, about things women couldn't do. They, they couldn't receive mail or they couldn't read it. Right. Them. Yeah, it's, it's a good primer for everybody that might not be, like, their consciousness might not be that raised. When we celebrate Women's History Month, this isn't some far off long in the past accomplishment that you know the struggle is still going on today and some basic ass rights were just received in the 70s or 80s and when it comes to the money your access as a a woman to the money was just given to us damn near almost
0: 1990 like 1988 you know right right again 34 years ago right (laughs) yeah Right, my, I'm I'm still a little flabbergasted on that one.
1: This podcast will do that to you.
0: Yeah, I, even us as the hosts. <laughs> right, right. It's so true. That's why I love the
2: Ida story because I'm just like, so you mean, my man? How did you get permission to go in the post office and start opening people's ma- mail? He did
1: not get permission. He just started doing it, and no one <laughs> told him no. <laughs>
2: Right, 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 i Yeah, I'm sorry. He was a white male. So,
0: anyways, <laughs> my bad. <coughs> could you imagine? Oh. You know, when I think of like when you read like those surveys, like, oh, or those hypotheticals, like, you know, when if you could go back in time, and I'm always like, no. Right. I don't even finish that No, where would I go? Not right. even 1980. I wouldn't even go back to the year I was born. <laughs> Apparently, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just, All of it sucks, right? It sucks if you were a woman. It sucks if you were a Black. And if you were a Black woman, just, I don't want to go anywhere before 2020. (laughs) Right, right. Look, I'm like, maybe
2: that one year before COVID, but no, my skin was real dry because
0: COVID was coming. (laughs) It was already there. So I was washing my hands a lot.
2: My skin was super dry that year. I passed. That year was a
0: bust. (laughs) Dry skin. (laughs)
2: So, and to round it off, you know, the things that women can't do, but are definitely doing today, I figured we would talk about this one, which I thought this probably was one of the most important ones to society. I'm sure that this helped a lot of people because this is very, very important that women could not shop without an escort. Like, what is wrong with y'all sitting around (laughs) finding stuff to tell women not to do? So women couldn't shop without an escort. When women left the house, they were generally expected to be accompanied by a man. And this started to change in the 1800s when they invented the department store because they felt that that was a safe place. It was big.
1: Oh my God.
2: It was a big place that they could comfortably <laughs> gather and socialize. And of course- <laughs> you <Hey>, your face- <laughs> Of course, spend money. So other businesses wanted to get in on the action. And then they started to say, hey, women can go out without men. And they opened their doors to uh, escorted women as well. It was only the upper income households where a lot of women had these freedoms. So it still took until the 1920s for others,
0: for stores to let other people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wait, and- wait, 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 wait a wait, yep. wait, wait a minute. Yep. Wait a minute. Yep. So are you yep. are you trying to tell me that the shopping mall was basically created as a daycare center for women? Right, <laughs> right, They won't right. Write
1: themselves in here. Right, just, right. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, uh, I'm dying over here. <laughs> and if you weren't rich, you had to wait till the 20s to be allowed to enter.
0: Be like, and oh, why are
2: you talking about stuff like this? Like
0: I feel like if <laughs> I was in a
2: room where people just kept on going on about something
0: that was of no importance, like how could you be that picky about who gives you money? Like oh, I, I want your money as a business. But wait, wait, do you have somebody with a penis attached to you right. before you give that to me? Right, I, just by your escort, like, wait, ma'am. No, ma'am, you, we, 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 we're not confident you can count to 20 to give us that $20, man. We need a man to double check for you. Because, right. Oh, my, right. I just, uh, but, but here, if we smush all of these department stores in one place, then you can go off. Off you go. Yay.
2: And that talks a lot about, or, or demonstrates a lot when it comes to the type of marketing that we see, who it's really positioned for. You know, like a lot of times people are like, oh, you're just making this up. You, it's all in your head. But this stuff, And Liz does a great job in pointing that out, that it is based off of white male supremacy. It's really, really deep. So I hope you ladies thought it was cool. And I hope other dubs thought it was cool. Until next time.